Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Money FM 89.3. It is drive time. Time now for Market View. I'm Elliot Danker together with Chua Tian Tian. We will be touching on REITs and, of course, the inflation outlook in the United States. But first, a quick recap of how we started the day. So, Elliot, Singapore shares fell this morning after global markets closed mostly flat or lower overnight. So, in early trade, we saw the Straits Times Index down 0.2% at 3,318 points. Some 19 million securities changed hands in the broader market fan. Now, off to the closing numbers. The benchmark STI closed down further in the red. Uh, we're talking about it closing 0.32% lower at 3,313 points. In terms of value turnover, that's $1.15 billion. Now, gainers outnumbered losers, though, 304 versus 246. Top advances for today, Aces, DigiLife Tech and Shangri-La Hong Kong Dollars. And top decliners, New Incorporation USD, UOB and DBS. Now, in terms of companies to watch, we have Nanofilm Technologies. It's down 9.1% early on after the company announced a 40% drop in revenue for the first fiscal quarter yesterday. Now, Capital Read also in focus after posting a 6.7% on-year drop in distributable income from operations for the first quarter ended March. Now, elsewhere, investors continue to fret over the inflation outlook in the U.S., while mixed U.S. corporate earnings also provided little cheer for market participants. So for more market moves and views, let's speak to David Chow, Director at Azure Capital. David, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me as usual. Great to have you on as well. And David, let's start with the STI. How did the STI fare today? Well, the STI was a bit weaker and uh, it's not totally unexpected. I mean, two weeks ago, I said that uh, we will be expecting the Fed to hike by 25 basis points in the next meeting come early May. And uh, what transpired yesterday over, you know, what the New York Fed President John Williams seems to affirm that a hike will be coming in the coming weeks. I mean, for those who are not aware of what he said, uh, he actually said that there's more work to be done to bring current inflation level even lower and, you know, this to me will imply that more hikes will be coming. And uh, apart from that, he's not the uh, only official talking about further rate hikes, you know. With his colleagues, uh, Bullard also saying yesterday that he sees a terminal rate of 5.75%. Mm. And uh, his other colleagues also say that inflation remains a problem and there will be more hikes uh, ahead. So this higher rate uncertainty, you know, combined with investors still digesting earning re- reports from Wall Street yesterday, probably led the Asian markets to be lower today. Uh, David, I haven't spoken about this uh, company in a while, and interestingly, mm-hmm. it pops up today. Nanofilm Technologies, your thoughts on that? Any surprises there also uh, in relation to some of the bigger movers today? Okay, uh, among the movers today, especially those in the top 30 uh, trading volume, I do see companies, you know, leverage to the oil and gas sector, you know, like your Semcorp Marine, your mm-hmm. Rex International, Dynamat, and the lesser known uh, Bank Kwan in play. Okay. So I think uh, this is probably due to the volatile oil prices that we are seeing of late. So remember the time where, you know, the banking saga happened or, you know, just uh, last month, yeah. we, we actually saw brand uh, falling to near $70 per barrel, you know, before rebounding, you know, to as high as 87 after the OPEC Plus producers announced a surprise oil production cut. So with this, uh, I mean, I do expect investors to pile on, you know, oil price-related trades from time to time, and today's price actions could be one of those times. So um, coming to uh, nano firms, um, it 
I mean, it comes no surprise really because of their first quarter mm. update announcement this morning. That mm. is, uh, group revenue actually fell 40% year on year, primarily over China's uh, slow and um, soft recovery post reopening. So most of the times when we have announcements like this, there's only one direction in which the stock price will go, you know, which is to go down usually. So what makes this uh, drop today even less surprising is the fact that the market has already priced in a week, you know, FY22 results uh, even before Nanofirm announced on the 3rd of February. And if you observe the share price, uh, it went to as low as, you know, 1.23 in mid-Feb before mm-hmm. going up to um, as high as, I think, 1.82 last Tuesday. So this would be about a 48% increase in share price. So obviously, the rise was marked by optimism towards a better fiscal year ahead, you know, in FY23. But unfortunately, this optimism could somewhat be uh, dented today because of the weak first quarter update. So, I mean, going forward, uh, we definitely need to see a better quarter starting from the from second queue in order for this uh, stock to continue its recovery. Right, and David, speaking of first quarter update, let's take a look at Capital mm-hmm. Reed. It posted a distributable income from operations of $50.2 million for the first quarter ended March. Now, that's down 6.7% from the same period a year earlier. But that being said, the Reed will distribute an anniversary distribution, $5 million for the quarter. So on the whole, how do you read into the developments? Okay, um, basically we have uh, you know seen the best of Fed in terms of how aggressive they were last year. And you know right now we are sort of reaping the results from that aggressive rate hike uh, mm. over the past year. So uh, looking at the set of results uh, published by Capital Reed, uh, I, no- I noted that uh, you know, uh, its uh, borrowing cost has actually rose by 27.3% year on year. So that that is what the main gist of you know why its first few results uh, were impacted. And uh, I mean, furthermore, the increase in borrowing cost not only hit them directly but also their associates as well. And this resulted in a lower contributions from them. So this is sort of like a double whammy for them. Mm. So and taking back step back, it's not surprising because uh, interest rates have been rising. And uh, in, in fact, if you look at their all-in interest cost for the first quarter, I think it was about 2.86%, and management expects it to hit 3% by the end of this year. So I guess uh, with that being said, the market shouldn't be surprised that you know higher borrowing costs will continue to affect their profits. So um, for me, uh, what's more important is whether Capital Reed can continue, continue to grow its top line. So uh, if I look at the other sets of operational numbers for them, I could see that you know in first queue, there was a positive rental reversion of 9.3%. So this is uh, good news for them. And uh, we also told that um, physical occupancy at the Singapore assets, uh, which accounts for about 90, 79% of their prime commercial assets have actually bounced back to the 70 to 85% range. Mm. So this is good news. Mm. Overall, uh, with this update, uh, I guess we should expect a steady performance from Capital Reed uh, in a year. Okay? Um, David, from uh, Capital Reed, let's uh, move on to Capital Corp. Uh, the mm-hmm. Global Asset Manager and Operators Infrastructure Arm partnering ExxonMobil Asia-Pacific. <coughs> they want to explore low-carbon hydrogen and ammonia solutions. Uh, how significant is this for the company's balance sheets? Okay, I remember just a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, one of your questions to me was whether Tepper could actually attain its goal of reaching an AUM of $200 billion by the year 2030, mm. so after hitting $50 billion in uh, last year. So, well, this uh, partnership with Exxon is certainly a step towards achieving that goal. And uh, if you look at Tepper's portfolio of renewable assets, 
uh, energy assets uh, basically has more than doubled to 2.6 gigawatt by the end of 2022. And uh, it's targeting uh, 7 gigawatt also by the end of 2030. So <clears throat> under this group of assets, uh, you know, Kepler is actively investing in uh, hydrogen-ready gas power plants, your EV battery and storage, and your EV charging stations, as well as a couple of offshore wind farms as well. So um, I would expect, you know, um, Kepler to really put in a lot of efforts to grow this segment, especially when, you know, revenue-wise is contributing 63 percent to revenue and you know roughly 20 percent to bottom line so what does it mean for its balance sheet so balance sheet wise um i'm sure we are all well aware that you know capital already has an asset monetization program in place with their focus to mm. remain asset light mm. you know in fact we could be looking at the uh, five billion asset monetization by the end of this year so oh, this okay. will actually provide them with the ammo to fulfill this partnership with Exxon. Hmm. If you're just tuning in, we're now in conversation with David Chow, Director at Azure Capital. And in the meantime, David, let's take a look at some of the headlines around the world. The Fed's beach book out last night suggested that the US economy had stalled in recent weeks. To what extent is this a cause for concern for investors? For several months now, uh, investors have to grapple with the US data releases that point towards a downturn and whether this will actually force Fed to pause their rate hikes. So um, if I may point to a survey done by Bank of America, yeah, this survey actually showed that, you know, fears of a credit, credit card crunch means, you know, investment in equities relative to bonds have fallen to their lowest level since the uh, GFC. And, but, you know, but if you look at the U.S. market, you don't you really have a concrete sense that, you know, this is happening as it continues to take higher. So as such, uh, it's my belief that, you know, investors were more fixated, at least for now, on an imminent end to rate hikes uh, mm. over a slowing economy. However, I believe that, um, you know, as uh, if more and more Fed officials actually call for more hikes, you know, this will again spook investors on whether that hikes will now, you know, lead to a recession and, you know, this will then have an adverse impact on the stock market. Mm, but that being said, we are seeing some mixed results on the mm-hmm. earnings front. Morgan Stanley, IBM posted better than expected earnings, but Tesla, on the other hand, missed expectations. <coughs> Profit down about a quarter on year in January to February. What can these reports tell us about the state of the U.S. economy and the performance across sectors? I think uh, with uh, IBM's uh, Wall Street beating results, this is um, this is certainly a relief to tech investors, at least on the IT spending side. Uh, which is still holding up, but we are not talking about a uh, broad-based, you know, IT segment uh, grow in revenue. So, because if we look at the semicon space now, it's still very much sub- subdued for now. Mm. And um, whereas for Morgan Stanley, you know, where traditionally investment banking and trading will be its bread and butter, we are also seeing signs of weaknesses in these segments segments as as well so mm. what is helping uh, Morgan Stanley's uh, recent set of results would be its wealth management unit coming to its rescues hence uh, similar to uh, IBM this is not a broad based increase of revenue across right. its various u- units so we can't really call it a great set of results Mm. And um, last but not least, as we focus on Tesla, um, there's no question Tesla has sacrificed profitability (laughs) in order to sell their EVs amid a weakening demand. Yeah, especially, you know, when it announced another set of price cuts, I believe it's the sixth time it's done so this year, Mm. and we're only in April. So, uh, you know, I wonder how many rounds of price cuts they are still going to uh, continue. So um, it's not surprising that even as Tesla delivered a record, 
record quarter for deliveries of EVs in Q1 due to its lower prices, you know, profitability actually did. So, um, I mean, as a whole, definitely as indicated by the Beach Book and also from some of the data releases uh, from the U.S., the U.S. economy has indeed uh, slowed, slowed down. Hmm. On the topic of Tesla, hmm. it seems like Elon Musk said uh, Tesla will likely launch its full self-drive technology this year, but I wonder, will he be able to walk the talk? But uh, before we let you go, David, let's take a look mm-hmm. at this corporate headline. Alibaba Group Holdings' grocery chain Freshipo has started preparations for a Hong Kong IPO, according to media reports. Any thoughts on this, and can we expect more of such IPOs in time to come? Okay, um, basically, I think Baba could be striking the iron while it's hot. Mm. With this proposed listing, uh, especially when these grocery chains has apparently uh, you know, just become profitable just last year after a long seven years of gestation. Um, and if I recall, you know, Baba was actually talking about, you know, to investors how important uh, this grocery chain known as uh, Fresh Hippo is to them uh, mm. just last year. I mean, yeah. in fact, it actually held Fresh Hippo as the third most important business behind the uh, two cash cows, uh, namely your Taobao and your Timor. Mm. So, um, but as of now, I'm not sure whether Baba still think of Fresh Shippo as the third most important business. Mm. And uh, the most distinctive feature of Fresh Shippo is that, you know, it actually offers, uh, I'm, I'm not sure whether you are aware, but it mm. offers 30 minutes uh, delivery to customers uh, living within a three-kilometer radius of the shop. Mm. And uh, this will actually require every shop to work as a fulfillment center in additional to a traditional retail storefront. Yeah. So this will result actually in a very significant increase in operational costs. So for the investors out there um, you know, who have studied supermarkets before, it's actually traditionally a low-margin business. Mm. So um, before, they, before that turn of profitability, I didn't think that they could actually turn profitable without charging a premium to cover all these additional costs. And the fact that the business remained unprofitable in COVID times, mm. mainly 2000 and 2021, you know, when many consumers actually shifted to online channels to purchase their groceries was an indication that the skill benefits were just insufficient, you know, to make this entity profitable. Mm. So um, I had my worries back then, especially yeah. with the difficulty of passing down the additional costs to consumers as well. So this turn of losses to to profitability was quite surprising to me and I, I really await to see whether it could be sustained going forward. So your other question is, could we see other similar li- listings? Uh, well, we could, we, we definitely could perhaps see more of them coming to the markets when, you know, the clear sign of the Fed ending its rate hike emerge, bearing a recession, of course, because, you know, this could mean a rising equity market which will bode well for IPOs. Mm, all right. Thanks very much, David. Great speaking. That was David Chow, Director at Azure Capital. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.